Welcome to my podcast, Not Just CAD. My name is Sean Bryant, and I'm an Autodesk expert elite who loves CAD, BIM, technology, and loads of other Not Just CAD stuff. Not Just CAD is the social media outlet of CAD FM consultants, and you can check out the Not Just CAD blog at www.cadfmconsult.com. Today our guest is the amazing Shia Rustisi from East Coast USA. Shia is a recent inductee to the Autodesk Expert Elite Program and is a global product manager for Naviate Architectural Products for Symmetry USA. I met Shia last November at Autodesk University, and I think it was her first AU as an Expert Elite, if I remember rightly. Yep, that is correct. It was my first AU as an Expert Elite. Uh, it wasn't my first AU overall. I had been to a few in the past, especially those um, virtual ones that we had during COVID. But I'm glad that we were back in person and we were, and I was able to meet all the other expert elites. And I'm really excited to be here today. Um, I'm excited to talk about all things, not just CAD. <laughs> as it says, yep, not just CAD. Does what it says on the tin, as they say. So thanks for joining me today and giving up your valuable time. I know you're busy. Being a global product manager probably isn't that what I would call a quiet occupation. And just explain in your own words who you are, where you're from, and include the country, obviously, for international listeners as well, and what you do with a brief heads up about Naviate and Symmetry as well. So people have got a good idea of your background. Yeah. So I'm located currently in Virginia, which is in the United States on the East Coast, as you mentioned. Um, I'm, if you don't know where that is, that's kind of considered the DMV outside of the DC area or capital. And that's kind of my home base. And I recently got promoted to be the global product manager for architectural products here at Symmetry, which is pretty exciting. Um, before I was a product manager, I did a lot of, I was a BIM manager. I was a BIM manager both in the U.S., primarily within the New York area. I also lived, fun fact, in Germany for a few years. So I worked in Munich for a while as well. And I did a lot of BIM implementation. I was big into Dynamo as a Dynamo automation specialist as well. I like to use that term very loosely, because I feel like I always have this um, imposter syndrome with Dynamo where I can never know enough. But anyways, um, I uh, studied in Brooklyn, New York at Pratt Institute Architecture. So I do have a Bachelor's of Architecture, but as we know, I'm no longer being a design architect. I'm now kind of like in the tech side of our industry, in the AEC industry. And I'm also really passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I really started to, you know, speak to a lot of people about um, the importance of having diversity, equity, inclusion within our industry, within the AEC industry. And I want to make it easier for those coming into this industry, whether that be other women, whether that be minorities, making it easier for them to work, to adapt, and to grow within our industry as well. So I now, you know, am the product manager at Naviate. Naviate is part of our own technology, right? Part of Symmetry is that we are starting to develop our own technology to help within our industry, within the AEC industry. And Naviate is actually broken up into three parts. We have our Naviate for Revit products, our Naviate for Cloud, which is like BIM 360 and ACC, and our Naviate for Civil products. And I work on our Naviate for Revit side of the products as an architectural specialist. Excellent. Now, what we'll do, we'll jump into all of that piece by piece as we go through the podcast today. So I, I just want to kind of throw a question at you here where it kind of it kind of goes along my path and the way I ended up in tech. And you mentioned that a moment ago. I was a civil and structural engineering technician and designer way back in the day. And my career path has changed dramatically. And I love what I do. And I never ever thought I would be where I am now. And I've realized that my career satisfaction is all about partnering and helping to empower others in the industry. Now, obviously, without sounding too ageist here, you've got youth on your side. Um, I, I've been around the block a little bit. Um, but just curious to ask you, what made you make that move from being in the AEC industry, you know, at the coalface kind of thing, 
into the sort of Autodesk symmetry ecosystem where you are now. What was your light bulb moment that made you make that change? Yeah, that's a great question. I've actually thought about this recently um, because it has been a journey, right? Like you, if you would have asked me when I was younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? It definitely would have been, wouldn't have been here. And when I wanted to be an architect and go to an architecture school, I would have never guessed that I would end up where I am today. But when I finished up architecture school, which was a design architecture school, um, I was very interested in technology. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into design, but my Revit professor at the time, shout out to Ben, he um, kind of guided me and said, hey, we have an opening at my firm for a BIM modeler. If you're interested, apply. And this was at Thorne Thomas Eddy, which is a structural engineering firm. So it was definitely different than what I was studying and what I was learning. And that kind of helped me get into that BIM world where I learned a lot about all the different technologies. But the real aha moment was actually when I was working in Munich, Germany at a firm called Hen Architekten. My colleague at the time, so I was in the BIM department, I was a BIM manager. We had our own in-house developer who I saw honestly as a magician. And because he could make whatever we wanted, I would come to him in the morning and say, hey, I needed a plugin that does X, Y, and Z. By the end of the day, he would have it done, doing exactly what I asked for. I mean, that was the closest thing to magic that I kind of had ever seen. So for me, that was the moment where I was like, I want to do what you're doing. That is incredible that you can help other people kind of eliminate those tedious tasks. And I was what you would call a lazy architect, where I didn't want to do any of those mundane tasks. I am constantly needing that mental stimulation. I wanted to be challenged all the time. So having to do repetitive things was really not how I wanted to spend my day. I asked him to teach. Yeah. Yeah, I asked him to start teaching me. He started doing some lunch and learns to help us learn the Revit API. Unfortunately, that didn't last very long because I soon left um, that company and came back to the United States, where I didn't have my own developer sitting right next to me where I can be like, hey, can you make a plugin for me? So I had to do it myself. This is where I really kind of hunkered down, taught myself Dynamo, and that kind of led me on the path that I am today, being really into the Revit API technology and growing um, into being a product manager. Excellent. And hey, nothing wrong with being lazy. I'm the same. I can find, <laughs> if I can find something that'll get me, instead of doing ABC, I go from A to C directly. There's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Now, obviously, we've we've got lots of things to talk about today, and we'll jump back into the Dynamo and things in a little while. Um, you're, as you mentioned, you're a really, really big advocate for diversity, equality, and inclusion, or DEI, as they call it in, in the industry. And obviously, you're you're in the AEC industry, and you're a woman. And back in the day, as I mentioned earlier, it was very rare to find a female architect, a female engineer. And we're talking, you know, I was working 80s, 90s, that sort of thing. Now, obviously, the AEC industry is is still, unfortunately, seen as quite a traditional male-oriented environment. And it must have had its ups and downs for you in places. And I'm really pleased to see that there's more women in our industry. I mean, AU, back in November, I met the likes of yourself, Christina for the first time, Shelby. And I'm dealing with a lot of, you know, ladies and people working at Autodesk. And for me, it's going in the right direction now. We're starting to see that that diverse cross-section of everything going on and and that's what we want we want that big melting pot of all that different diversity to make the system work now like i mentioned though it's it's obviously a male oriented environment right so have you had any detractors or have you had to face any of these kinds of things in your career and if you have what methodologies can you kind of recommend to prove yourself yeah. So unfortunately, I have. I mean, that's why I, I do advocate so much for it and do talk about it so much, because I do want the next generation of women, minorities coming into this industry to have less challenges. 
I don't want to be too idealistic and say that they'll never have these types of challenges, but hopefully we can minimize it. And I think I have been fortunate in a lot of ways. I have a lot of allies, a lot of people who have supported me throughout my career. But of course, there have been some issues I've had to tackle. And it's really interesting that most of the issues I actually have, I mean, some of them were in the United States, but a lot of the issues I experienced were actually when I worked abroad. Um, and one of the issues I, I tend to face is definitely with the older generation. Um, and it doesn't tend to be actually in the tech space or the technology BIM space, but it tends to be with the design architects, the contractors, the engineers, the more traditional roles, right? Because as we know, technology is ever changing. And so people tend to adapt a lot more quickly, whereas these more traditional roles tend to have people who are, you know, don't like change, don't want change, have been doing it for hundreds of years and don't want to change the way they've they've done it, right? So one of the things I faced a lot of time is men who constantly are undermining me, who A, prefer to speak to another man. So I had an intern who was a man and they would completely ignore what I had to say, <clears throat> would instead go around me, go to my intern. And even though my intern was saying the exact same thing because I told him or I taught him, it didn't matter. They they wanted to listen to him and only him. Um, but what this taught me was actually patience um, because at the end of the day, they fought me in the beginning, but if I was patient enough, they would come around eventually to know that I was right or that you know I wasn't trying to hurt them. I was only trying to help them and that they needed to change because in this age, if you don't adapt, you're gonna be left behind. Absolutely. Um, it's something that I've noticed. I mean, I as I said, I'm all for diversity, equality, and inclusion. Absolutely. It's it's the way it should be. And for me, it's 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 more of a respect thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we should be respecting our fellow human beings. It shouldn't matter whether they're male, female, LGBT, whatever. It really shouldn't matter at all. It should be should be a meritocracy on what you're good at and what you can do. And one of the things that I've loved, I, I saw it a lot, weirdly enough, again, I'll mention Autodesk University last November. I really saw a lot of that at Autodesk University this time around. And it really pleased me because it, it's kind of how it should be, really. And I always remember as well, we had a fantastic panel at AU the previous year in New Orleans. Um, basically, it was the architects versus the engineers kind of thing, all about construction and so on. And we had three men, two women on the panel. And one of those women, um, she was a VDC for one of the big contractors. And she she basically was really quite forthright about, you know, if you want this done, you got to go through me. And it, she made them make that change. And for me, that that's kind of how it should be. Another one I don't know if you met Amy Marks yet, who's moved over to Symmetry recently. From of Autodesk. course, yeah. Yep, the queen of prefab. Amy mm -hmm. is amazing, and I love what she is doing for DEI. She's just absolutely blowing it out of the water right now. Yeah, she, um, she's, and she's taught a great me so person. much. Yeah, she's yeah, great. She's taught me so much and she, since she's joined our company. She's been a really great, uh, you know, that's the thing, like teaching the next generation. Yeah, So. yeah, she's great. She's absolutely great. And and, it, and it's good, you know, I, I, I mean, I know that obviously, sadly, you've you've had to prove yourself. And for me, I think that's wrong. That's my personal view. But what I love about it is you've learned something from it. You've learned the patience to deal with it and just go, OK, we'll work on this and we'll get it to a point where they have to go through me. And that that that's that's how it it kind of works sometimes. I mean, I, I had the complete polar opposite happen to me. I was the old Revit practice coordinator at an architectural practice. And I had a young, probably early 30s lead architect who was a woman. And she was really feisty, and that's fine. But she used to talk down to me all the time because I was older, a little mm. bit slower maybe, but I'm really methodical. I won't commit to something until I've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. And to, to give you a, a funny experience for your point here, um, obviously, I've used Revit for quite a long time. She 
dabbled in Revit. She did a lot of her stuff still on the drawing board. And she came to me one day and she said, oh, all these, you know, Revit drawings that we're kicking out. I've noticed the font is Arial. Could we change it to Times New Roman? And yeah, that was it. The eyebrow raise, right? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, not really. She said, oh, how long would it take you to do it? Because I think Arial's a bit boring. And I was like, oh, just six months or so, if you want me to do every single family on the project. And she was like, oh, that's a shame. But but that moves into another part of our kind of circle of tech is one way of putting it. We've got a lot of younger people, and I'm not being ageist here at all whatsoever, but we have a generation now where everything is like finger-click, finger-click, finger-click. It has to be so fast. And what I find now is when I teach, consult, and, and go into companies, I have to teach people literally to slow down take a breath, take a minute, and also think about the implications of their actions as well. So to take it down to a basic AutoCAD drawing, for example, if you're working in model space in AutoCAD, you don't want everything everywhere. You want it all orderly, as if you were working on a drawing board. And what I've started doing is teaching people how to use model space in AutoCAD as that drawing board. And a, a, an old friend of mine, he said, you're teaching nostalgia there. You do realize that, right? And it made me smile and actually made me laugh out loud because I, I, I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah, I'm teaching nostalgia when I'm teaching people how to use AutoCAD now. But I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's nostalgia. You're, you have to understand the basics, right? You have to learn how to crawl before you yeah. can run. I, mean, I, always, I always place it as like you're riding a bicycle and you've got your little stabilizing wheels on. And before you take those wheels off and go out on your own, keeping your balance and everything, you've got to learn the basics, like how to stop, how to start, how to put the brakes on, how to pedal, and so on. And it it's, everything is so breakneck speed right now. And if you can just encourage people, I mean, you could almost relate it to mental health possibly as well, where you get people just to take that breath and be present for a moment. And just look at their design or their drawing or whatever they're working on and say, okay, how can I make that better? But more importantly, if I'm making it better, am I reducing the steps later on that I might need to do to make it more functional, more efficient, more productive? And it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, if I can find a way of going from A to C instead of doing A to B to C, it might be a simple reducing a couple of clicks on a mouse. But it's making me more efficient. It's making me more productive. Talking of automation, the next thing I want to ask you about is obviously the automation of repetitive tasks is becoming more and more important. We have so much data to handle and manage, especially when we're starting to look at the likes of generative design, large Revit, centralized cloud models, all that kind of stuff. Autodesk Former is another one where it's all in the cloud now because it's managing so much data. Now, a typical tool to automate tasks in Revit, obviously you mentioned it already, it's Dynamo. So do you want to, some of our listeners will probably go, oh, Dynamo, I've heard of that. What does it do, right? So can you just give us a very brief heads up of what Dynamo is, what it does, and what advantages it can provide? And also, maybe let's move into, can Dynamo be used with things like AI and machine learning? And if it can, what advantages might that provide as well? Yeah. So Dynamo is a visual scripting language. So probably most people know of the standard, let's say, textual scripting languages like C Sharp or Python. Uh, JavaScript is another one of them. And what makes Dynamo so attractive to our industry, especially architects, because we're designers, is that we're visual people. So we tend to lean towards something like a visual scripting language. This is really similar if you're a Rhino user to Grasshopper, right? And so what Dynamo allows us to do is instead of using textual code, which is a much harder barrier to cross, we can use Dynamo, which is a visual set of what they call nodes and wires, and use them to connect them to create different tasks for automation. Think of, you know, if I'm trying to something simple like inputting a bunch of data into all of your doors in your project, 
you can use that easily with Dynamo or being able to generate um, all of your rooms based on the existing walls in your model. So once you're able to do that, it's kind of that barrier to coding, you might say, the gateway to coding. Um, but what it allows you to do is, is automate a lot of tasks that you might seem to be repetitive. And you can use Dynamo to enhance your workflows that way. But what I love about Dynamo is, like you said, it helps with understanding the basics. A lot of people, and this might be controversial, I don't know, but I think it helps people to learn how to think computationally because what it allows you to do is break down tasks into their simplest steps in order to understand how to automate them, right? So if you think about creating a wall, you might not think of it this way, or you may already think of it this way, but when you're drawing a wall in Revit, it's actually a line-based function. So you have to pick the first point and the direction and then the second point. And you might not think of those steps that way because Revit makes it so easy to do it. But when you're trying to automate it, you think of those steps. And I also think how this is, like you said, going to be affected by AI and machine learning. It's the topic everyone is talking about these days. And a lot of people are very doomsday about it, right? Like, oh, it's going to take over all our jobs and we're not going to, you know, be able to have jobs anymore. I'm definitely not a pessimist. I'm an optimist and I don't think this way at all. I think it it might change the way we work potentially, but when has technology not done that? We just have to learn and adapt. And I actually listened to a presentation recently by one of Autodesk's AI researchers, Mehdi, and he gave a really great example of how we can work with AI machine learning. And um, he said, that think of how a car functions, right? So you have manual cars, and I know here in the US, we don't really use manual cars that much. I know I can't actually drive. They call a stick shift out there, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's use that example. And then you have all the way on the other side of the spectrum, the fully self-driving automated vehicles that are coming out. And there's a time and a place to use each, right? When you're on a beautiful sunny day, there's no traffic on the road. You want to feel every part of that car, drive it, use it, ride it, you know, manually change all those gears and just drive it down that empty road. Or on the other hand, you might be on your way to work in back-to-back -back traffic and you might be trying to get ready for a presentation and you don't want to be stopping and starting and stopping and starting. So you use your self-automated driving car to do all the work for you. And I see that being how we utilize AI in our industry, whether that be with Dynamo helping to helping with machine learning to learn how to create different graphs, auto-filling nodes based off of the way you wrote your graphs or the way other maybe even better people wrote their graphs, or we want to do it ourselves because we want to learn. We want to learn how to think computationally. And then the other end of the spectrum is AI, right? Like I started dabbling with this, playing around with this. I skipped Dynamo completely and used AI to just create add-ins for myself rather than having to do it in AI. Uh, sorry, rather than having to do it in Dynamo. So there's a lot of different avenues that this can go, but know that the basics, like you said, is still going to be needed to understand how things function because you have to know the basic steps before you can then use AI or machine learning to automate those tasks. Yeah, you're absolutely right there as well. I mean, one of the things that excited me at AU back in November was obviously Andrew up on stage and introducing Autodesk AI and so on. And that was fantastic, but people don't realize that Autodesk have been using AI for about the last 10 years. AutoCAD and Revit and so on have all had AI and machine learning slowly being put into the development of the product with each release. Um, I mean, one of the really simple ones in AutoCAD is things like block replace and, you know, block direction. You can place like a desk now in an AutoCAD drawing and AutoCAD will give you the different options of rotating that desk around. And obviously that's in Revit as well in a slightly different workflow, but but it's all kind of kicking in. And one of the things that made me realize how things were changing was, I think it was, yeah, Andrew was on stage at Autodesk University London quite a few years ago, pre-COVID and everything. 
And he had a guy from a UK architectural practice on stage with him. And they were talking about generative design. And it was all about moving your houses around to get the most sun and in the best location and so on. And this is pre-Autodesk Former, which obviously used to be called Spacemaker. And then all of a sudden, Spacemaker came along and did all of this automatically for you, generatively in the cloud. And then all of a sudden, Autodesk acquire Spacemaker and it becomes Autodesk Former, which is their first AI cloud-based technology as we move towards Autodesk AI. But the other thing that I think people worry about is AI, like you quite rightly said, oh, artificial intelligence, it's going to take away my job. It's not. If anything, it's going to enhance your role because all of that horrible, backbreaking donkey work, the AI can do for you. And then you get something out that you can then reuse. Something I do is I write a lot of like textbooks and manuals for people about, you know, learning how to use AutoCAD or learning how to use Revit. And one of the things I love is I can jump into something like ChatGBT and just go, write me three or four paragraphs on how to create and let's say an attribute for a block in AutoCAD. And bang, it's there. It, and all I've got to do is edit a few words, copy, paste. It's just saved me probably 30 to 40 minutes of typing. Now, I know the knowledge in my head about how to go through that workflow and come out at the other end with that block, with the attribute. But the artificial intelligence has taken away that horrible manual part where I have to type. And you mentioned cars as well. I've, I've just got my first electric vehicle. And it's kind of weird because I can just, it's a BMW, and I can just go, hey, BMW, and it will just all come up on the screen. And yeah. I, I can ask it to turn my seat heater on. I can ask it to change the temperature on my side of the car to X number of degrees. I can ask it to find a radio station for me. I can ask it to find the nearest EV charging point. And I can do that manually on the screen by pressing the buttons, but I can just ask it to do it as well. And that technology, I think, I mean, people, they are scared of it. And people are always scared of progress and change. Mm -hmm. And you'll always get that line sort of, oh, we've always done it this way. And my my counter there is, why don't you try it this way? See what happens. If it all goes horribly wrong, go back to the way you were doing it before. Try it. You, you've got to try. You've got to make that step. And that, that throws back to another fantastic couple of lines that I've experienced so many times. I obviously, way back in the day, was a cab manager. And I had 25 people working for me at one point. And I used to always have a struggle with higher management about getting training. Training for me is so important. It's it's one of those things that you, you just have to do. It should be part of your daily career, daily working life. And I used to go to the higher level management to get a training budget. And their argument always was, what happens if we train them and they leave? And my argument is, what happens if we don't train them and they stay? Yeah. That, that, and, and that's where AI and machine learning and so on is going to make, especially our lives in tech, so much easier because we can relay a principle, a workflow, a technology so much quicker and easier using AI than having to potentially stand up and talk about it. We, we can potentially say to the AI, create a quick video to show how to do this. That video goes into, say, a learning system within an internal part of the company. Somebody clicks on that video, they learn from that video. I don't have to be there. I don't have to type. I don't have to record. The AI does it all for me. And that, that's where I'm seeing a lot of advantages on the training and the learning side of things. But also, like you said, with something like Dynamo, you can go to the AI and say, create me a dynamo, dynamo routine that does this. And okay, it might not be pristine. You know, we've always got that rubbish in, rubbish out kind of scenario. But for me, if you've only got to edit a couple of little bits and pieces of code in there that, that might not look quite right, and then you run it and you've got a basic procedure that automates something, you've just saved all that time. And that's one of the things, everything's going so fast, we are running out of time to do things. So if we can use AI to take that breath, like I mentioned earlier, and actually 
get AI doing all the, the donkey work, the backbreaking work, I think it's an advantage. I really, really do. Talking of advantages, what one of the things that I, and th this is a blatant plug for Symmetry and Naviate a little bit. Um, basically, I, I don't know what Naviate does. I've never used it before. Um, I know that obviously John, one of our contacts at Autodesk in the community, he used to look after Naviate as well at Symmetry way back when. So what does Naviate do and what advantages can it offer to say somebody who wants to use it? Yeah, so like I mentioned before, Naviate is part of our Symmetry technology, and it's broken up into three parts, our Naviate for Revit products, <clears throat> which is a series of add-ins for Revit, our Naviate for Cloud products, which has um, functions to manage BIM 316 ACC, and then Naviate for Civil 3D products, which is add-ins for Civil 3D. Now, I'm just going to talk about Naviate for Revit products because that's kind of my wheelhouse. And within our Naviate for Revit products, our add-ins for Revit are actually discipline-specific, which is kind of what sets us apart from some of our other, um, let's say, competitors, right? We have our Naviate for architecture, site and landscaping, MEP, fabrication, structure, rebar, and then we have kind of our product for all, which is Accelerate. And what this allows you to do is have those functions that are built to enhance Revit, right? We talked about Revit a lot. I love Revit, big advocate for Revit, uh, but it doesn't do everything the most efficient. It has its holes in it, let's say. And that's where Navit comes in and fills those holes. Uh, it has functionality around setting up projects in Revit, enhancing data management, making it easier to manage mass data across very large projects, renumbering, find and replace, things that you would think Revit can do, but just don't do. We also have a lot of things to do with modeling. So I know Revit was really built for architects. Uh, I actually did recently a lot. I went into a deep dive about the history of Revit and the Revit API, but that's a talk for another time. But it was built... tell you what Revit is based around name-wise, by the way. Why what? it's called Revit. Why the architects right? that created Revit, it's revision it. Right. That's why it's called Revit. I never knew that. I found that out about a year ago. So Crazy. Fun fact. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of the modeling in Revit is, is pretty good for architects, but we have features and enhanced modeling for Revit. But we also have functionality to help with modeling for other disciplines that Let's say Revit isn't the best modeling for like mechanical, electrical, plumbing systems, ITM parts, rebar, structural elements. So our modeling features really enhance modeling, making it a lot easier because the reason people use Revit is to get that 3D aspect, right? Being able to coordinate in 3D where, you know, if we're just working with plan sections and elevations, we don't get that coordination aspect. And plus all of the other things like automating drawing creation, automating exporting of drawings out to different file types. All of this is enhanced with Naviate. And what I always like to say is, like you were saying, with AI is the same thing with Naviate. What we want to do is help you to work smarter so that instead of spending countless hours doing sheet creation, data entry, right? Just to take the things from your head and put it into the model. We want to help make that more efficient so that you can now spend that time that you spent hours doing that onto other things that are more important, right? Because we can automate things, our requirements are adapting. And sustainability is a big thing that is really making a change in our industry. At least for me, this is something I'm really excited to see is how sustainability is going to impact the way we design and work. And with Navigate, because you have all this free time, you can now devote it to working on your sustainability practice, making buildings more sustainable, making things more efficient, or just being a better designer. Instead of spending a day coming up with a design and then two weeks trying to draw it, you can now reverse that. You can spend two weeks thinking of your designs and only maybe not a day, but a lot less time actually getting it onto the screen, not paper, the screen. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got to be careful. We? Everything's not paper now. We've got to be sustainable, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can remember way back when um, I, 
I can't remember what I was in London at an Autodesk conference. I can't remember what it was for. This is way back. And Carol Bartz was still CEO of Autodesk. And if I remember rightly, the entire conference was sponsored by HP. There were printers and blotters everywhere. And Carol Bartz stood up to talk about some of the latest technology that Autodesk was coming up with. And her first line of her like keynote was, the printer is dead. And the look on the HP executive's face in the front row was like, like this. And it, it, it was just, it was one of those funny little moments. Obviously, as she explained, she explained that, you know, the printer wasn't dead per se, but obviously technology was moving along so that we could electronically talk via our documentation and so on. Exactly. Now, obviously, you've transitioned from what I call core architecture, the architecture industry, into tech. And it, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's an incredibly similar path to me. I, I started off basically as a CAD manager. I, well, I ended up as a CAD manager, um, started on a drawing board many years ago. And I then moved into primarily the reseller part of the Autodesk channel. And obviously now I'm, you know, expert elite, run my own business, LinkedIn learning author and so on. And I, if somebody had said to me, you know, when I was managing a CAD function within an organization that I'd end up here doing what I'm doing now, in essence, you know, like recording this podcast with you, all that kind of stuff, I would have laughed. It was like, no, 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 the drawings have got to be out on Friday. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? So I often wonder if I'm kind of keeping up with technology, keeping abreast of everything. And my methods are that I, I do a lot of reading. I, I follow other people's blogs, podcasts. Um, I mean, for example, I, this might sound really sad, but I'm always excited when I see a new AutoCAD blog. But AutoCAD for me is 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 my is my core. That's That's what I cut my teeth on. And now... You know, I, I'm the AutoCAD guy on LinkedIn, for example. So, you know, it it it's my ethos, really. It's it's one of the things that I do. So, obviously, you, you you've got age on your side here, as I joked earlier. You know, you're you're somewhat younger than I am, um, and I, I've been around the block and I've kind of watched everything change. I mean, I've I've gone from a drawing board now to where I'm sitting here talking to you via the internet. You know, recording a podcast. I've got various methods, like I said, of keeping up with technology. What sort of methods do you use to keep up with technology? And what can you recommend to the listeners that, you know, just, just little methodologies, little tips and tricks that they might actually be able to use to keep up with all this tech and follow it, but more importantly, maybe even research and develop it and implement it within, say, their organization? It's definitely hard to keep up with, you know, our ever-changing technological landscape that we obviously live in now. Uh, the first thing I always recommend to people is don't try to know everything about everything because you will fail. Um, pick your niche, pick what you're passionate about, and then learn the most on that topic and then try to just stay informed broadly on everything else within the industry. And it's okay to not be an expert on everything. That's why you build up your network of other people like yourself, Sean. Uh, I'm not the expert in AutoCAD, but if I have a question, I can come to you. And like you mentioned, podcasts. I'm a big podcast listener. I follow a lot of podcasts, listen to a lot of podcasts. Another big one for me, YouTube. Uh, YouTube and Googling. Googling is a skill and you should learn that skill. Uh, another thing is conferences, right? Whether that be AU or other conferences. So, and I try to incorporate those things into my everyday life. So trying to make it a habit that you learn. For example, with podcasts, that's something that I listen to every day, different podcasts at different times of the day. I listen to it when I'm walking my dog. I listen to it when I'm doing household chores like laundry or cleaning. I'm listening to it in the car when I'm driving. I'm listening to it when I'm getting ready in the morning and doing my makeup, which can take some time. And once you like develop that habit, it is kind of training your brain. I used to, you know, Whenever I would drive, I would only listen to music, but now music is boring to me. Well, I don't want to say music is boring. I love listening to music, but if I'm, you know, going for a long drive, I need more stimulation to keep myself focused. And that's where, you know, podcasts really come in because I obviously can't watch YouTube videos when I'm driving. 
Um, but then when it comes to really salt problem solving skills, that's when I turn to YouTube or Googling. It has just become a habit that if I have questions and that's actually thanks to a colleague I had when I first started here at Symmetry back when we were just Microdesk, I started coming to her with every question and she would use the, I can Google that for you link and would Google and then would send me that link. And she taught me the art of Googling. Um, but then, yeah, the last thing is definitely conferences, being able to attend conferences, stay up to date with conference. I'm getting ready to go to my next conference, New York Build, February 13th and 14th. So if anyone is attending, you know, hit me up. And so really, it's just developing those habits and having the desire to learn and keep learning and adapting. Absolutely. I mean, I've been going to AU since AU 2006. So I'm I'm a fairly seasoned AU speaker attendee. I'm an AU speaker mentor as well. Um, but one of the things that I learned many, many years ago from someone who trained me is people always learn from people. And you mentioned going to conferences and so on. One of the things that I discovered during during the COVID pandemic was I actually struggled to learn, not to learn per se, but just to take stuff in sometimes because it was all very sterile on a screen or, you know, in my headphones or whatever. And one of the things that I, I love to do is I always see myself as a bit of a storyteller, especially when I'm speaking at, say, AU. And Steve Blum summed it up for me at AU last year with 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 his story about being a change maker. That that for me absolutely hammered the nail into the wooden beam for me, because if you can make those changes, and you can develop things that you do, I I love talking to people. That's one of the reasons why I've got the podcast going is I love to talk about people within my industry, maybe slightly on the periphery of the industry, and find out what they do and find out what makes them tick. But you've got to make changes. Change is just ongoing. It's perpetual. You you can't stop it. And if, if we go all the way back to what we talked about earlier, where people are resistant to change, you especially now at this particular sort of juxtaposition of technology and how the hardware is becoming so wearable and mobile and all that kind of stuff. If you miss that boat, you're just not going to get on that boat full stop. And that I think is, is becoming so much more important is that ability to be that change maker, whether that's in your organization, your personal life. It's like you said, you know, you've transitioned to podcasts and Googling, for example, you know, that, that for me, I mean, I, I love my podcast now and I would never have thought 10 years ago I'd be listening to podcasts all the time, but I do. And some of them are a bit weird. I, you know, I'm listening to Billy Connolly's autobiography right now. Billy Connolly is a very well-known Scottish comedian that I love, very irreverent, swears a lot, but his, his autobiography is how he grew up is absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm actually building a new office right now in an old outbuilding, so I've just got it on a speaker. So I just throw a podcast on or an audio book and just listen to it while I'm drilling and hammering and everything else. Now, obviously, you've just joined the Expert Elite program. And, well, congratulations. It's lovely to have you as part of the family. I've been an Expert Elite yeah. for a while now. Um, my specializations, as, as you've mentioned, are AutoCAD and Revit, and they're my tools of choice. But there's many other sort of CAD and BIM, and not just CAD and BIM, there's just many other applications out there. And I'm pretty sure that you utilize some of those in your role at Symmetry. And if you could recommend your top two applications and give a sort of one sentence as to why they're your top two, what would you adopt? What would those two applications be? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little beyond my top two, because I feel like the top two, you know, we've been talking about a lot. It's obvious. Revit and Dynamo, which is built to work with Revit. So obviously Revit is, in my opinion, the most proficient BIM software. It is, you know, brings that level of creating not just a 3D model, but adding that information, that fourth, fifth level um, to to your model, making it easier to coordinate, making it easier to exchange data and information. And then Dynamo, 
like I mentioned before, it helps to automate making Revit more efficient. But if we look beyond Revit, I also am really fascinated with thinking of the entire life cycle of the building design process. And I'm going to go through the first and kind of the last aspects here, but Forma, that is up and coming. Well, it's already here technology, but still a lot of people are learning how to utilize it. And it's really a great feature or tool to use in the beginning phases of that design process. It is in the cloud. It is using AI. So this is a really great way to get your designs um, started in the cloud before even getting to Revit. And now we've even adapted it to work with Revit and recently with Dynamo as well. So this is all really exciting and it's all beginning to do what kind of Autodesk set out to do, which is creating that entire ecosystem. So building on Revit and Dynamo, we can now start with Forma. And then the other thing that not just symmetry, but you know, I am really passionate about is sustainability. So we've um, at Symmetry partnered with OneClick LCA, which is a huge, the largest database of EPDs or materials that you can then use. And we're actually developing a product here at Symmetry to link those EPDs or assets, material assets into your Revit model in earlier phases of design. So we want to start thinking about not just the impact of our built environment, but the materials they're using, where they come from, how does transporting that material from across the planet affect, you know, the outcome of your building and how much, um, waste you're producing. And now with different technologies, like what we're about to come out with Navigate Zero and One Click LCA, we can better design for that and design using materials that are locally sourced, making it a better impact on your environment and understanding the long-term effects of these materials, how they decompose over time, making sure that we create a built environment that's gonna not just support us, but future generations to come. That's excellent. Very cool. I like the sound of that. Um, funnily enough, I had a conversation, very similar conversation with Amy Marks a couple of years back, um, where we were talking about how we need to not just reduce the physical waste, for example, within our industry, because, I mean, there's so much stuff that literally just ends up being dumped after a construction project. Things like all the timber used as formwork for poured concrete, all that kind of thing. and We've also got to think about the rework of things. We want to kind of get to a point where we're working smarter and getting it right first time. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're all using electricity. And as we start moving towards the cloud, that electricity is going to be used for all those big cloud servers that are calculating all those different generative designs that we're creating. So we want to make sure that when we start designing digitally and electronically, that we're doing it right first time rather than have to, you know, get to the point of construction. And then we have to rework the model because the guy on site says we can't do this. It's physically impossible. We want to make sure that we are liaising with all aspects of the project, like you quite rightly said, all the way to the end where we, we look at those materials and see how sustainable we actually are. There's so much going on right now. In, in our industry, it's it, it, I, I actually look at it and I think, yeah, OK, I'm approaching 55 and I'm finding this a bit scary. Um, but but, you know, it. Uh, yeah, I, I joke about that and I always will. You know, I, I, I'm I'm one of these sad techie geek types. I will never, ever switch off from having that inquiring mind and clicking on that button and going, what does that button do? That That's you know, it's, it's like Ikea furniture. You know, I never read the book. I just go, yeah, I should be fine. Right. You know, it's it's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's everything is moving really, really fast. And like I said, we need to be at that point where we're present. And this goes back to your sustainability side of things. We need to be present at the beginning of the design. But as we work through that design, we need to be present as well. Like you quite rightly say, to make sure that what we leave behind is sustainable for future generations. It's really important. Really, really important. Now, obviously, we're coming towards the end of the podcast right now. So I always throw this question out to every guest. And it's it's a very simple one. 
if you could go back in time and speak to your younger self, and I'm going to say 16 years old, roughly speaking, you know, that that teenage time where you're not quite sure what job you want to do and, you know, you'd rather hang out with your friends than maybe do some schoolwork or college work, that kind of age. What one piece of advice would you give yourself at that age? Yeah, that's that's a great question because like we discussed, if I thought about where I'd end up, I would have never guessed that I ended up here. And I think what I would have told myself, and I was a big work hard, party hard young person, um, is don't try to plan everything out. Let life guide you. Be brave, be ambitious, and be curious. Because I think, like you said, curiosity is really kind of what got me where I am being like, Ooh, what does that do? And don't be afraid to question everything and question your peers, question the things that are happening and what they're doing, because that's how you make change happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So coming to the end of the podcast now, Shia. So thank you ever so much for your time today. I know you're incredibly busy. You're also in a different time zone. So from that perspective, I'm interrupting your working day and coming to the end of mine. And basically, thank you ever so much for all your valuable insights, because what I find, and this is an Autodesk University thing, is I love having conversations with people and finding out what they do and finding out what makes them tick and, you know, their their passions, their, what, what they want to do within the industry. So Basically, thank you for all of that. And obviously, we're coming to the end of the week. So I'll, I'll wish you a good weekend now because it's a Thursday and we're approaching that, that that Friday. And just thank you ever so much. Really appreciate you being on Not Just CAD. And hey, let's see whether we can, you know, later on down the line, book another time and we'll do some more conversation stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to not just listen to this episode, but all the episodes to come. Thank you ever so much, Shia. Thank you. And have a good one. Cheers now. You too. Thanks for listening to Not Just CAD, the podcast that covers CAD, BIM, technology, and lots of other Not Just CAD stuff. Tune into the next podcast on all the usual outlets. You can also find Not Just CAD on Instagram and Threads. And you'll find me, Sean Bryant, over on LinkedIn and Facebook. Not Just CAD is the social media outlet of CADFM Consultants. You can check out the Not Just CAD blog at www.cadfmconsult.com.